John 12th chapter, verse 20, reading from the New Living Translation. Uh, the Word of God says, Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, Sir, we want to meet Jesus. Some translation says, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. Jesus replied now that the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Praise God for his word. Verse 20. Six, another translation says, where there, where my servants are, there I will be. If you can help me announce this to your neighbor, tell them, that's where I want to be. Look to your other neighbor, tell them, that's where I want to be. Jesus says, where my servants are, there I will be. Do you wish to see Jesus? We have a familiar song. We know when I see Jesus, amen. When I see Jesus, all of my troubles will be over. When I see Jesus, amen. Aren't you glad that you have the ability the possibility, the capability to see Jesus. But do you wish to see Jesus? When we say that we wish to see Jesus, it's not in the terminology as something as in making a wish foundation. But this wish is to, emph and to emphasize the desire. The desire, tell your neighbor, the desire to see Jesus. When something is your desire, you don't let anything get in front of you. If you are running a race in track and field, your desire is to make the finish line. They have a race in the track and field called the hurdles. In order to get to that finish line, you have to overcome some obstacles. And those who start their race, their desire is to make it to the finish line. And since that's their only desire, they have their eyes in what's in front of them. And in order for them to get there, they have to follow the command. Ready? Set? Go. And once they hear the word go, they go. 
not leisurely, not relaxed, but with full enthusiasm, full out sprint. They don't start off slow, but they start off when their energy is at their top so that when they get that race, they will be depleted. In most sprints, they talk about how a sprinter who's really good holds their breath the whole sprint. That went over somebody said, let me help you out. Because they exit all their energy, they run that fast. That when they get it, that's why they're so exhausted and out of breath. Because they held their breath while they was running. It's not something they do purposely, but, psych- but subconsciously your body pre- prepares itself for that all-out sprint. So it holds all that oxygen in the body so that when they have that inhale, their blood, there's enough oxygen within the body to get back into the blood system. Just think about it for a moment about a swimmer, right? They inhale before they go back under. So they have all the oxygen they can need to make it through the pool. The same thing when you're running on ground. My question is to you, is that your desire? Look to see the Greeks had an obstacle to see Jesus. First and foremost, the obstacle is that they weren't Jews. What does that mean? That means that, do you understand in the temple there was a Jew court and a Gentile court? Uh, The Gentiles, if they went into the inner chambers, they were punishable by death. Punishable by death. Do do you grasp how, 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 how much that means? Think about for a moment. You freely can walk in and out this church. Not worrying about somebody punishing you by death for entering a place. Because they were separated. God came first for the Jews. See, we are so blessed that we take it for granted here that, that, that we woke up into the church all day any way we want and just feeling any way we want. But we did not come here to see Jesus. We came here to see what somebody talking about. We came here to see what somebody's going to wear this Sunday. We came here to see who's going to sing today. We came here to see who's going to lead in the vote. So we came to see what so-and-so show up because I know what happened to them last week. But when you come here, did you come to see Jesus? Because if that was your desire, all other obstacles will just be something just to jump over. The Greeks wanted to see. They went to Andrew. And, and the, the, some suggest that they went to Andrew because they felt comfortable because he had a Greek name. That could be it. But yet, if that's not it, that does not matter. The point is that they went to someone who knew Jesus. Oh, that went over somebody. Let me say that again. They went to somebody who knew Jesus to introduce them, to give them an introduction, to give them a conversation, to give them an interview with Jesus. Somebody is coming to you. Somebody has came to you. Somebody will tomorrow come to you, but will you show them Jesus? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't speak to get a hope of amens. You might show them your, your attitude. You might show them your flesh. You might show them what you really do. But they came to you, and you might take the opportunity to show them Jesus. You see, we live in this world. We live in this world where too many times we make it all about ourselves. Tell your neighbor, it's not about you. Yeah, you said that quick. Now tell yourself, it's not about me. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Because we need to catch it. That, that when somebody comes to you, it's not about you. But it should be an opportunity 
for you to invite them to see Jesus. Their desire motivated them to be there in the time of the festival, the time of the Passover. They traveled to come in into this area to worship and see God. And we see here this possibility that this could have been after Jesus clears the temple and cleared it out so that they people can really come in to worship and remove the thieves that they call the den of thieves when it's supposed to be the house of prayer. So many times in our lives, we too need to remove what's hindering us to spend time in prayer with our God. Look at what happens. They desire to see Jesus. That's your desire. Because if that's your desire, then you will make that same request. Lord, I want to see you. Your request will be just like David. I heard you say, Lord, seek your face. And Lord, your face I do see. You, you will make the, the cry out. Say, Lord, I desire to be in your tabernacle. Lord, I thirst after you as a, as a deer panted after the water. Lord, my longing is for you. We long to go to parties. We long to go to Chuck E. Cheese. We long to go to the movies. We long to go out bowling. We long to go out golfing. We long to go out late at night doing Lord's know what with our friends. But do you long to see Jesus? When you want to see Jesus, my question is, how do you see Jesus? Our text suggests here that they could not see him in the proper perspective because he has not been glorified. But when you look closely investigating here, Jesus says the hour has come. If you go back earlier within this account, he talks about, woman, my time has not come. He says in early in the account that they tried to get him, but his hour has not come. But this time when Greeks come to see Jesus, he says the hour has come. What does he mean about the hour has come? The hour has come for him to be glorified. What does that mean to be glorified? Well, Jesus said, he might be just like a corn, a wheat, that must be buried in the ground. And once it's buried in the ground, the seed dies. But when the seed dies, out comes fruit. Do y'all hear me? Jesus said that he has to die in order to produce fruit. You don't hear me. I think it said abundant fruit. I think it said a harvest, not just a little bit, but a whole lot of fruit. Jesus came so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. Come on, somebody. Jesus came so that we can have life and have everlasting life. Jesus is pointing out in order for the Greeks to see me, they got to see me glorified. But before you can see him glorified, you got to see him for who he is. So in order to do that, Jesus goes on to say, he who loves his life and hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. I know we get caught up with that word hate. May I read it from the New Living Translation? It says, those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who are care, who care nothing. For the life in this world will keep it for eternity. 
He's pointing out here, just as the seed dies to bring forth life, you got to die in order to have life. Oh, my goodness. It's showing here that you love your life, but in comparison, you would not love your life as much to give it up to make a sacrifice. The problem is of giving up your life is that it's hard for you to say goodbye. (laughs) We know that song, don't we? It's so hard. To say goodbye to what? To yesterday. Because yesterday, I so enough had a good time. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, I so enough had a great old time with my friends and family. Because yesterday was the day I said, tomorrow I change. But, but today doesn't show up and you're going to say again, tomorrow I change. Uh, it's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. But Jesus says, if you want to see me... <laughs> You need to say bye-bye. <laughs> if you want to see me, you have to let it go in order, you, so in order you can receive what I have for you. Jesus says, I'm not telling you to do something I'm not going to do because my time has come. Come on. His time has come for him to be buried into the ground. His time has come for him to be lifted up. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto him. Do you hear him? The Greeks wanted to see him, but there was a blockage there. (laughs) But Jesus pointed out pretty soon, (laughs) tell your neighbor, pretty soon, (laughs) all bears will be removed, and then all men (laughs) will come to me. But in order for you to get there, help me out with this, tell your neighbor, you have to die. Tell them you have to die. Tell yourself, I got to die. Tell yourself, I got no choice but to die. Come on, somebody. So every time you wake up in the morning, is another opportunity for you to die again. But once you die, catch this, you have life. Do you see it? When you're dead to this world, you open yourself up to be alive in Christ. And look where you'll be. You'll be with him for eternity. You'll be with him forever and ever and never goodbye. You'll always say hello and able to say holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. And catch this, you'll be able to do some things the angels can't do. The angels can't say he died for me. The angels can't say he set me free. The angels can't say it was the blood that washed my sins away. But when you get there, you can, you can, you can. Do you see it here? He said, anyone who wants to be my disciple must tell your neighbor, follow Jesus. Because my servants must be where I am. Do you want to be where Jesus is? Well, if you want to be where Jesus is, you got to do what he has done. (laughs) You have to follow his example. Because you can't just get there any other way. Because he said, I am the way, 
the truth, and the life. The Lord is the good shepherd and the door. If you don't understand what I'm saying, he's your way in and the only way in. And he will, once he gets you in, he'll take you out to see blessings you have not seen before. But before you get there, two things you got to do. You got to die and you got to serve. I'm going to leave you alone in a minute, but I want you to grab first. You got to die. You got to die. You got to die to this world. When this world has a more pull on you than anything else, you're not dead enough yet. When the world makes you get up late at night doing things you know you should not do, you haven't died enough. When the world makes you pick up the phone, talk about somebody behind their back, you haven't died enough. When the world gets you so mad you curse everybody out, but you go to church and say, thank you, Jesus, you haven't died enough. You haven't died when all you're living for is just to get some money in your pocket. You haven't died enough. But when you have died, you realize that everything in this world is refuge. Everything in this world is trash. I count it all loss, but in Christ I have gain. So when you're dead, all you know how to do is serve. Because when you serve, you take off titles and put on towels. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. <laughs> Jesus told them that when you've done to the least of these, you've done unto me. Can I help you out? <laughs> you, you need to go ahead and take money out your own pocket and bless somebody else. I know, I know somebody's going to get mad at me. That's all right. I know you give money to, don't, to, uh, to, to, to Red Cross. United Way, Salvation Army, any of the nonprofit organizations, but sometimes, every now and then, some people come to you and want to see Jesus. And that's your opportunity to show how I can be a blessing to you. I was walking down to the Twin Towers, going there to have me a lunch. Two people came by and asked for some spare change. For some food. I said, I'm about to go get some lunch. Come on with me. And they followed me into the place. I asked them what they want. There's a couple of restaurants. They choose what you want. They chose what they want. I said, get whatever you want. They order whatever they want. I said, you want something? Get something. You want a cookie? Get a cookie. Get whatever you want. And I just paid for their meal. And that's all I said to them. I didn't try to tell them anything else but just show them Jesus. Too many times, too many times, we want to walk around like we're righteous, and we want to quote scripture to people that don't know what you're talking about. I could have sat there and preached to them where the Lord will give, the Lord will provide, good God Almighty, and they would be looking at me and say, all I need is some food. So all I gave them was all they need, and my prayer is that God, you open up another door, that I see them again. And then they'd be open to receive something more from me. But first, I had to be what he called me to be. Just give them what they asked for. Do you hear it? Didn't Jesus do that when they came to him? 
They ask, can you heal me? Lord, have mercy. Lord, make me walk. Lord, make me see. And Lord simply gave them what they asked for. He didn't go on to tell them, do you know what it says in Exodus? So when you serve, you don't serve to make yourself look good. But you serve so that the Father may be honored. Because when you serve so that the Father may be honored, catch this, then Jesus will be there. Y'all don't hear me? Because where Jesus is, there I want to be. And Jesus says, I and the Father are one. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. And so, therefore, when I do what the Father asks me to do, then I'm dead to myself. And when I'm dead to myself, I don't care about myself as much as I care about you. I'd rather see you eat, I'll starve. I'd rather see you clothed and I'll be naked. I'd rather see you have a house and I'll sleep on the street. It's a sense of saying I'll do what I can to be a blessing to you. I'll do what the God has given me to be a blessing to you. See, we live in a time that we always want to make sure we stay comfortable and, and, and don't want to challenge our discomfort for somebody else's comfort. I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings, but we do it up in the church. Somebody walk in, you already sat down, you comfortable, you make them crawl over you. Come on. Yep, 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 yep. All you got to do is slide down and make them comfortable. And then they'll say to you, no, no, I'll sit right there. And then you can slide on back to your spot. But too many times, we don't want to serve. We want to make it about us. The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. You see, Jesus says, anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me. Because my service must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves him. Who will the Father honor? Anyone who serves him. Let's look at the list of servants of God. God called Abraham his servant. God called Moses his servant. God called Joshua his servant. God called David his servant. God, through the prophet Isaiah, said, my servant will come and he will bear our chastisement. He will bear our sorrows. He was bruised for our iniquities. By his stripes we are healed. Do y'all know that servant? That servant is the one that said the time has come for me to be glorified. He goes on to say this servant must die in order so that all can have life. This servant says if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. We know a hymn that says lift my Savior up. Lift him up. But here in John, when Jesus says, and I be lifted up in 32, the 12th chapter, he's not talking about his exaltation to heaven, but he was talking about how he was going to die. He was going to die 
as a seed. They're going to lift him up on a tree. We know it as a cross, that old rugged cross. And when they lift him up on that cross, do you remember that when he says, it is finished? And then he hung his head. That's when the seed died. And when the seed died, that is when they took him off the cross and buried him in the ground. Can I pause right there for a moment? Go back on the cross before he said it was finished. He said, my God, my God, why have thy forsaken me? Well, he said that it's time for me to be glorified. The father said you have already been glorified. Do you see that in the text? Uh, keep on reading. It says a voice spoke from heaven and to have already brought glory to my name and will do so again. Uh, how was glory brought? Glory was brought because we were once far away from him, just like those Greeks desiring to see Jesus. But the only way we can see Jesus is if we have been changed. And so Jesus had to become sin who knew no sin so that you and I won't pay the penalty of sin. What's the penalty of sin? Oh, death. <laughs> Where is thy victory? O oh, sin, where is thy sting? For the death of sin, uh, for the death of, for the uh, sting of death is sin. And the last enemy defeated is death. And he died on the cross. Didn't he die? And when he died on the cross, the seed died. And when the seed died, it went into the ground. And while it was in the ground, something started stirring. Something started stirring. The Bible says, uh, the earth rock. Tombs opened up. Bodies became awake. And then after he resurrected, they too rose and were walking the town. Something started stirring. The disciples became scared, thought that it was over because they did not understand about what it means to lift my Savior up. They did not understand that he had to be lifted up on the cross to die a death for a wretch like you and me. But he had to die. But yet, you know, he did not stay in that grave. Because on that third day morning, he got up with all power in his hand. And he told it to his disciples, now ye go. Throughout all the nations, teaching, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And God has given me all authority. And lo, I will be with you always until the end of time. Do you see how he has now have all authority? I want you to grab to see this great harvest. Because in Acts, the second chapter, there was something that started stirring in the upper room. All because they buried him in the grave. <laughs> Fruits kept on coming out. What was that fruit? It was the power of the Holy Ghost uh, that rained down in tongues of fire. 
And what happened that they were able to go from to, to Jerusalem to, to Israel to the outer parts of the world. They were able to preach that gospel to everyone who came to that city. And then God sent them out like wildfire. They spread. How do I know it spread? Well, didn't you hear <laughs> about Jesus who died on the cross for your sins? How do you know it spread? Do you understand it was some 2,000 years ago that he died on the cross? Do you know anything else that happened 2,000 years that made the time be set backwards? <laughs> you don't hear me? They cut down to his birth and count down since he was born. Do you hear me? Nobody else uh, changed how you count time. And so, because of all that, that's where I want to be. Praise God for his word. We look forward to hearing back from you. You can reach us at zionbcpeoria.com. We'll be happy to hear from you. May the Lord Jesus bless you real good on today.